You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. If it isn't my favorite listeners, this is the Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast 220. Can you imagine 220 episodes? That is nuts. I'm very proud, and I'm so thankful to have all of you listening. Thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show and Panhandle3D.com, and, of course, our beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons! Okay. Now that we've entered a new level of awkward for the show... What are we talking about today? Well, we are discussing a message from Pumpcron on Instagram, who is my brother from another mother, and he makes terrain. He uh, has an Etsy store and all that, and he's asking about terrain because our last real talk from last week kind of made him have some questions about terrain and what people think of it. So I give him my opinion and what I've seen personally. Then we have a very long, a 20-minute long real talk with the Pumpcron, and it's how to bait and catch and identify nerds in the gaming store. And I, I love it. There's, I I just love everything about it. Just James and I go to a gaming store and we show you the tips and tricks on what researchers use to catch nerds. And that's basically how that goes. You'll just have to, you'll have to listen to it. So what have I been up to? I've been uh, passing a major milestone for brutal space, which is my spaceship game based on the brutality skirmish war game rules. And I have finally finished the bulk of all of the lore, all of the formatting, the pictures, the rules, the wording, the missions, the everything. Now comes the time of the rigorous, at least five or six complete read-throughs of this 112-page book and look for typos and things don't make sense in the rules and et cetera, et cetera. Now, you will never, trust me, you will never find every single typo and whatever in a book. You just won't. It's not going to happen. So I always give Games Workshop a little bit of a leeway on that, unless they're egregious, you know, like they're just rushing it out the door, which sometimes, like the Eldari book, there's quite a bit of stuff there that's that's pretty messed up. Um, like, you know, uh, spacing in columns and stuff like that being out of line and just weird crap. But um, I'm very excited to be at that milestone. You know what? We are also uh, two weeks... Yeah, we're two weeks from Shorehammer. A week and a half, actually. A week and a half from Shorehammer. Very excited. Today, if you're listening and you don't check your email and you're coming to Shorehammer, today is when the lists are due, and I hope you send them in today. And also, the tickets stop going on sale on Thanksgiving. So you've got, what, four days, I think, to buy your tickets. We have, actually, a record year for ticket sales. We are 20% more than last year. And looking at the stats, it's like 25% of them are new people, which is fantastic. So that's a lot of people um, that are coming new, and they're going to experience it for the first time. And I had someone email me and tell me this is their first event ever, which reminds me of our old friend Jonathan, because he said that he was always... He's more of a casual player. He likes to play, but he's not hardcore or anything like that. And uh, he's the one that does all of the tournament packet and everything for me, because he is more fluent in the current meta and the way things are not necessarily the meta because he plays it but he's just more aware of all of that um so i rely pretty darn heavily on him to constantly ask him questions of like well if i did allow this would this be game breaking or whatever and um, he's one of my uh 
basically one of my advisors for Shorehammer. And we were his first convention seven years ago and his first tournament and all of that. So I thought that was really cool. Maybe not his first tournament, but his first tournament like he he traveled to go to. And uh, so that's really cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing Jonathan and all the gang coming up in a week and a half. Very, very excited. This is like a holiday for me. This is like a four-day weekend holiday for me and my son. He looks forward to it all year. He says Shorehammer is magical, and it's the same thing for me. All the people, everybody's nice, everybody's chill, everybody's in a good mood, and they're friendly, and you can go up to literally anybody and strike up a conversation and... I mean, it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. I'm I'm so happy and grateful and thankful that I've had the opportunity to make this what it is. And I have all these support structure like Jonathan and um, TJ and David and James and their Matt. They're helping paint terrain and they're volunteering and and all of that. So I'm very thankful for all of them and uh, I'm very excited for Shorehammer. I know a lot of people are. Speaking of Shorehammer, the Sponsor for the show, Panhandle3D.com, and also the sponsor for Shorehammer, the main sponsor this year, is Panhandle3D.com. They are donating a buttload, a literal buttload of stuff for the charity auction. I was blown away by how much Gregory and the people at Panhandle3D.com are uh, supporting us this year. It's more than any sponsor has ever given us for the charity raffle. They're sending us uh, combat gauges with the Shorehammer logo and uh, coffee tumblers, and I'm going to forget some of this stuff, but they're sending us terrain, and uh, I'm trying to think of what else. They're sending us a bunch of stuff, and it's funny because I always think of them for 3D printed terrain and all of that, but he's like, oh no, we've got laser engravers, and uh, oh, uh, dice trays. They've got some Shorehammer dice trays that'll be in the charity auction, and uh, when they heard it was a charity, they just went all out and gave us a ton of stuff. So the combat gauges are actually, a few of them will probably end up in the charity raffle, but what we'll end up doing is finding reasons to give out these combat gauges, because he's he's donated like 40 combat gauges, like a, like a crap ton of combat gauges. So the uh, we'll give them to like the most liked player in a tournament, whoever gets the most votes of, you know, friendly player. Uh, we'll give them out randomly for people, um, just for whatever reason, for the um, trivia questions, we'll give them out for, and we will just find any excuse to give out these combat gauges because it's far more than I could do in the charity raffle. Can you imagine trying to be like, okay, we're going to pick the top, the first 45 tickets <laughs> out of this bag for get the, to get these combat gauges. So we'll probably put like five of them in the charity raffle, but the rest of them will just be given away. And that was super generous of them. Now, I don't have them in hand yet. They're actually on the way they're they're in transit right now coming to me but i'm very excited to see these um these dice trays the ones with the buttons the fold-up dice trays and the uh coffee tumblers the coffee tumblers look really nice in the pictures so i'm very excited to see all of this uh in person and um that's once again more for the charity remember if you're coming to shorehammer bring money for the charity raffle because we're going to have a lot of different stuff and a lot of people are donating stuff they just want to get rid of, and they get tickets in exchange so they can put tickets for other stuff. And the more stuff we have, the more money we raise for Horizons of Delmarva. So very excited about that. And, of course, I wanted to bring up that Panhandle3D.com does a lot more than just um, terrain. Of course, they've got a ton of terrain, but 
you know, they do laser engraving and stuff as well. So that's really good to know. I might actually end up getting merchandise from them next year. Um, if the budget allows and all of that, you know, for, to sell. But anyway, what did I play this week at the game store? I played a three way. It was really two versus one, two versus one narrative game. It was very fun with my, uh, one of our new friends in age of Sigmar, Nick, and one of our longtime friends, TJ, TJ has been in this hobby as long as I have. And um, he played his Soul Blight, and Nick and I teamed up with my Stormcast and with his uh, Idonath Deepkin. And the story that we kind of figured out as it went is that this is after a battle, and we only have our small remnants left of the Idonath and the Stormcast. And we are trying to flee after the battle's over, and Nagash is like, oh no, you guys, the Adonath and the Stormcast, take far too many of our souls. I want your hero's souls, to, where I'm going to take them so Sigmar and uh, the other guy can't take them. So his whole goal was to encircle us and kill all four of our characters. And TJ ended up killing one of our characters, and the other one almost died. I think he went down to one hit point, but we were able to continuously heal him with the uh, heroic actions of him healing. So we ended up healing him back to full health. The other character was on foot, and he ne was never injured at all. Maybe he lost one hit point. And then my Star Drake that Leroy Jenkins got me all those years ago, uh, Star Drake was at half health by the end of the game. But it was, man, every turn was swingy. The first turn... We kind of, I think, surprised TJ. Instead of just circling up and defensively, we actually picked up a uh, direction and attacked in that direction and killed a Terrorgeist in the first turn. And then the next turn, he swoops in with his Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon and eats an entire 20-man squad? 20-man squad of Thralls from the Adonis Deepkin. And that was like our big force we had. And we were like, oh dear God. That was pretty scary, and then um, and then we we clapped back, <laughs> and uh, it was just a, a very good back and forth. It was really fun, and that is what has kept me in this hobby this last year is all the narrative games having so much fun. All right, well, let's get on with the rest of the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. And this is the Tesseract Mailbox with the Pimpcron, and today uh, I am talking to Pumpcron on, <laughs> on Instagram. We found each other because our names are so similar, and I, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but um, we're, we're friends on Instagram now because his name is Pumpcron from Pumpernickel Games, and I am Pimpcron. And I just figured our names are so similar, it had to be based off of my name, but he'd never even heard of me. So it was because uh, Necrons were his first army, and uh, he's Pumpernickel, so it's Pumpcron. Anyway, he writes in, Hey Pimpcron, just wanted to drop this message about terrain, maybe you can use this for a Tesseract mailbox? Great show as always, as they always say, keep up the great work. Terrain, that's the topic I wanted to talk about. As you were just talking about in your last podcast, as a terrain maker, do people, customers... So, so Pumpernickel Games makes terrain. I've seen some really cool uh, terrain that he's made on uh, Instagram. He takes a lot of pictures of it. So if you want to follow him, it's Pumpernickel Games, all word, all one word, Pumpernickel Games. And um, he also makes terrain as a, a seller, like he sells it. Anyway, um, as a terrain maker... Do people slash customers rather like to make their own or buy it from other companies? Like me, pre-made, painted, etc. 
I would like to get some idea on what people want from terrain. Is it just to fill the space on the tabletop for rules purposes, or to have that themed epic table that really immerses you in the game? That's what I rather prefer. It's just nice to have a really good feel for what people think, and you seem the kind of guy, or robot, to ask these questions to. Thanks for your time, brother from another mother, maybe, haha, all the best. I'm going to mess up this name. Is it Kieran? I think it's Kieran. Anyway, he's Pumpcron. If you want to check out his stuff, uh, just as a shout out to him, his Etsy store is etsy.com slash UK slash shop slash Pumpernickel Games, the same as his Instagram uh, tagline. And the other day he just uh, did a picture of a bunch of um, clusters of trees, kind of like what Sylvaneth would use with the grassy base. And um, I think it had some walls like rocks and things like that, but also the trees were all handmade. It looked very nice. So, uh... His question is, do people prefer to buy pre-painted and made terrain, or do they prefer to make their own? To be honest with you, I've been in this hobby for over a decade, probably about 13 years at this point, and almost every gamer I know has at some point dabbled in making their own terrain. What usually happens for the general population is that they realize making terrain is a bit harder than they realize, and this is myself included. They realize there's quite a bit that goes into making nice-looking terrain, like what Pumpernickel makes, and they kind of give up on it. Either their product is not that great, you know, like what they came up with wasn't that great, so they just dis they just disregard it, or they did actually come up with a good project, and they finished it, but then they were like, you know what, I'm not doing that again, because that was way more work than I realized it was. So... Uh, that is basically what I have found. So I don't think most gamers make their own train. I really don't think. I would say it's a small percentage of them actually stick with it and they incorporate that in their hobby. Now, I know there are some people, I know Daniel from the Table of Wargaming, he loves making terrain. That is his thing. Um, I have met some people that just love making terrain. And certainly you've got the Terrainiacs on Facebook is a group. And um, the Terrain Tutors is another one. And they even sell books on terrain making. I mean, certainly there are resources if you want to learn how to make your own terrain. But I think most people end up trying it at some point And then they, eh, I don't really like it. It's a lot of work, blah, blah, blah. And then they end up buying pre-made, pre-painted terrain. And that's that's where Panhandle 3D comes in. That's where GameMat.eu comes in. Now, Panhandles is not pre-painted, but they've got a ton of different terrain. And um, GameMat.eu, you used to be able to buy it unpainted, but I think they actually got rid of that. And probably because at the time, last time I looked at it, it was like 10 or 20 more dollars to have it pre-painted by them. And probably nobody took the unpainted option because, like, geez... Yeah, they, they, GameMat.eu paints it pretty darn well. Everything I've ever bought from them is pre-painted, and it was totally up to spec. So I never really felt the need to save 10 or $20. I'll just let them paint it. So I actually, last time I looked at their website, I don't think they offer pre-painted, I mean, uh, not pre-painted terrain anymore. I think it's all pre-painted. And the reason being is I'm sure that was infinitely more popular than the unpainted. Um, especially for the price difference. Now, if it was double the price, everybody would be like, oh, well, geez, I'll just paint it myself, which is what I would have done. But being that it's only a, a, like 10% more than, geez, I'll just let you paint it. Um, so I don't think it's a deterrent for the, the terrain to not be painted. But if your price is between painted and not painted is very, very similar, 
well then there's I think people take pre-painted all the time. I think most people do not want to paint or make terrain themselves. As for the type of terrain people want, I think when someone's getting out, I mean, first getting into the hobby, I think the first things they're going to look for is big, bulky, obscuring, line of sight blocking stuff like ruins or mountains or whatever. They're not really looking for anything that is super fancy. And I think a lot of people are just trying to get some coverage on the board. And then once they get the coverage on the board, then they might start over time buying some stuff that looks pretty cool, some trees and some whatever. Although admittedly, trees are pretty much a staple in wargaming, um, especially the fantasy setting. So I could see that trees, mountains, and ruins are basically like the first things people buy. And then, because of course, this all costs a lot. Our whole hobby is expensive. So the terrain is... Uh, is kind of something that you want on your table, but you also don't want to spend a ton of money on it. So a lot of people will start their first purchases with um, buying a couple big things that are kind of like necessities, big ruins or whatever. And then over time, they add a piece, add a piece, add a piece. And then once they get like a nice coverage on their board, then they start splurging for, oh, look at this cool chaos ruin or this altar, or let's, let's buy some rivers, let's buy some lava rivers or whatever. And that's the trend I usually see, because I've seen dozens and dozens of people in my personal life get in and out of wargaming and then back in and they sell everything and they get back in over time. So I think that really is the trend. Um, but no pumpernickel, I don't think you're at any risk of being out of business, because I think the if I want to just completely BS a number for you, I would say 80 to 90 percent of gamers do not continue making their own train probably 80 to 90 percent of them at some point try to make their own terrain but a very small percentage of them ever incorporate that into their hobby so that is your answer Pumpcron. and from a brother from another mother i appreciate you uh messaging me it was on instagram it wasn't via pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron but you guys know how to reach me and we will get on to the next segment which is a doozy now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. Hey everybody, it's the Pimp Cron, and we are outside of a gaming store today. We're hiding in the bushes right now, and I just wanted to do this segment. It's been on my mind for a long time. I get constant emails and questions, sometimes even voicemails, and they're asking me questions about nerds and nerd culture. Now, I can't talk too loud because I'm afraid I'm going to startle them inside. We haven't entered yet. I've got my friend Just James behind the camera, and he's going to follow us in and record this. We're going to make a documentary. You're getting to hear all of the audio of this. So, a lot of people contact me and ask, I think I might be a closeted gamer, and I'm afraid to approach this community. How do I meet nerds or gamers how do I get inducted into their clan or into their tribe? The different tribes, the, the Dragon Tribe, the Space Marine Tribe, the Magic the Gathering Tribe. There's many different communities at a game store. I get other questions frequently of people saying, Hey, I think I might be nerd sexual. I think I might like geeks and nerds. I might even be one myself. How do I know? How do I test it out? How do I explore these feelings? I get asked that all the time. So I figured I would finally show you tips and tricks on how to 
lure nerds to you and earn their trust, possibly trap one and see how it is to interact with them and that sort of thing. And uh, I, I've got a lot of experience with this. This is how I made most of my friends is the whole luring, trapping, befriending scenario. Now, we already have one and I don't, I don't see him through the glass right now. But you got to understand that nerds are a very cautious and very um, skittish people. So they don't take kindly to strangers or anything like that. So I've been baiting this game store for a while. I'll show you the different types of baits and the different types of traps that are all non-lethal. You don't want a lethal trap because then the entire nerd community in this game store, in this little hovel here, are going to find out that you killed one of their kind. You'll never be back in that store. They will not allow it. Their hair will raise up. They'll growl. They'll, they'll charge at you, honestly. The larger ones will charge. Um, so you, you don't want to do that. You always want to have non-lethal. And if it doesn't work out between you and that nerd, right, you don't strike it off like a relationship or you don't hit off a friendship or maybe you accidentally caught a dragon nerd and not a magic nerd or a space marine nerd. You know, there's, there's different types. There's different breeds, actually. And uh, maybe today we'll even discuss the mystery of how nerds reproduce with so few females. That's another thing I get asked a lot, and it's, it's really intriguing. Nature is beautiful. So, my favorite, my preferred non-lethal trap is a Chinese finger trap glued or epoxied to the wall. Just one end of it. You want it sticking off like a branch off a tree. You want it sticking off. And you're going to want to put some of their favorite things inside the Chinese finger trap, okay? Something like Skittles, maybe, or M&Ms, that will attract the larger ones. That's just, you're, you've been warned. And also, the problem is, is that if you put food items in there, yes, it's more aromatic, and it's more likely to attract one, so you'll come back and your trap is full, but you're also running the risk of, it's just a grab bag, because many different communities of nerds live in this one game store. Now, they actually have their own hovels or burrows elsewhere, but they all come here to commune. This is where their community is. This is their safe space where they're kind of away from the prying eyes of the general public and they feel comfortable. Oh, shh, here comes one. Watch. Okay. Alright, we're in the bushes here and he's crossing by. Okay. He's going inside. Okay, he's inside. Alright, so that was a close call, because if he would have seen us being outsiders within 10 or 20 feet of their store, he would have raised the alarm. He would have started whining or wheezing or something of that nature. They're, they're typically very nasally, the nerd community, and I am not dismissing or talking bad about the nerd community. I'm actually... Uh, this is not, I don't like to talk about my, my personal preferences, but me, myself, I am a nerd. So I will fall into some of these categories and I'm actually nerd fluid. So sometimes I have been a dragon nerd more. And when I was younger, I tended to be a little more of a magic nerd. Um, now I actually identify mostly as a space marine nerd, or you can also just call it a hammer nerd because that actually covers, there's two different breeds of hammer nerd. There's the fantasy hammer nerd, or the Sigmar nerd, then there's the space marine nerd. So you really just want to call them a hammer nerd. 
And uh, I do actually identify now as a hammer nerd, and that's just where my interests are. Now, I do dabble. I'll, I'll take a side glance at some of the dragon nerds, and sometimes I dabble in the magic nerds, but I actually am a nerd. So this is, this is, num this is first person experience, and I'm kind of an expert. I'm kind of an ambassador. I often spread the word of the nerddom to what we call normies, the normal people, the sports bros. The people that love their sports games, I don't know any names of sports because I'm a nerd, but like b basket goal, I think basket goal or foot base or whatever the different tenure, tenure court, I think it's a tenure court. Anyway, I never participated in any sports. I was, I was always a nerd. So that, that's just one of those things. It's kind of a blind spot for me, but you get what I'm saying. The normies like that sort of generic things, you know, like the TikToks and the Twitters and the Facebooks and the and the YouTubes. Now, nerds also participate in those, but the normies are more likely to be drawn towards those things rather than imagination or strategy. So, now, of, of course, I do have to mention there is a breed of closeted nerd that actually are like kind of a... Um, in the animal kingdom, a lot of times, we will see moths that have eyes on it, you know, circles on the wings, so it scares off predators. Sometimes you'll see a fish that has spots on the back of it as well as the front, so predators get confused which way is which. It doesn't know which one's the eye and which one's the spot. We see a lot of that sort of camouflage. And there is a closeted nerd called the fantasy football bro. Now, I don't know if football's a sport or not, I don't, I don't know what the correlation there is, but they do like some sort of sports game and it's all about stats and, st uh, you know, choosing your list, you know, you, you make a list just like you would the, the hammer nerds do that where they add like points up each thing in their list is a different point and they add that up. And, um, the, the sports bros do that too. And, but what they don't realize is that they have actually adapted over time. This is a great example of an adaptation in nature. They are closeted nerds, but they have made themselves appear to be a normie, to fit into normal culture, which is actually fantastic. Like I said, nature is beautiful. You can't deny that. It's, it's fascinating. Anyway, I got on a little bit... Oh, wait, shh. No, that wasn't a nerd. Okay, there was, they're, they're going to Dollar General next door. Okay, um, so this is kind of tense here because if they sound the alarm if we come off too aggressive they might start their whining or their wheezing or whatever they they often will take a, a case of dice the dragon nerds specifically they have these little tubes of dice and they go clack, 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 and they'll shake it like a rattlesnake that's their main defensive mechanism um so the uh the hammer nerds tend to just duck down and hide behind their terrain. Um part of the hammer nerds culture is having these little miniatures and these um small miniature buildings and ruins and all that, and they kind of take cover. They're kind of like the prairie dogs of the nerd culture. And uh they they often are pretty skittish. So the magic nerds just sit really still because the magic nerds tend to be on the larger side and many of them are almost immobile. So they kind of just sit still. Have you ever seen like a rabbit do that? You can almost walk right up to a rabbit in, in the wild and they feel like if they don't move, you can't see them. So that's usually what the magic nerds do. But anyway, I'm going on a little bit of a tirade here because I'm just, I'm just kind of flustered. I'm, I'm, 
I'm a little nervous about going in. This is like going into a den of any sort of animal, honestly. Now, I am accepted into their community, but they're leery of me. They see me come in with this camera. I've been here once before, and it ended in disaster, okay? James accidentally made a comment that was a reference to a, a, uh, a game sport game. And he said something like you're, oh, I tripped when we first went into their lair. And he said, oh, you're batting a thousand. And I don't know what, I think that's tenure. I think that's a reference to tenure. But anyway, they heard that and they heard the reference to sports and they started charging. One of them stood up on the table and started calling at us. Ha, ha, and they, they started charging. We barely got out with our lives. Uh, some of my camera equipment was destroyed in the in the stampede. It, it was... It, it was touch and go there for a minute, but we did get out. So their ire has kind of been riled up at this particular game store. This is not my home borough. Now, Just James and I actually have our own community, but I was not going to reveal the secrets and the inner workings of my own community. It's kind of like a secret society. You don't want to just reveal everything about your own, but you might reveal something about someone else's, correct? So I have been here before, and they somewhat... Trust me. What's that? Oh no, I'm. I don't have. I don't smoke. Sorry. Oh. Some random guy came up to us, asked us if we had cigarettes. Okay. So getting back to the trap scenario, what you're going to want to do is glue or epoxy the end of a Chinese finger trap to the wall inside the game store. You may have to sneak in there if they not if they're not already trusting of you. Then what you're going to want to do if you're just trying to get any sort of nerd, right? Just any of them, a grab bag of nerds. You're going to want to put something food-related in there. So you're going to get uh, M&Ms, you're going to get Skittles, something like that, and shove it deep into that Chinese finger trap. Now, if you're going for the gamers, if you're going for the dragon nerds specifically, you're, you're going to want to take one D4 and shove it deep in there, because that's what they like. They they like uh, the clack, clackety-clack of the, of the math rocks. So that's what you're going to want to shove in there. For the hammer nerds, you're going to want to roll up, print out, roll up an FAQ and just shove it deep into that. And uh, you can actually see through the window there that there's mine right there. It's it's, But we actually, our trap's full. So we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, you're going to want to roll up an FAQ and shove it deep in there. And that's what's going to attract the hammer nerds. Now, an amateur mistake a lot of people do when they're trying to catch magic nerds is they'll roll up a card and shove it in there, maybe an uncommon or a rare, and that is absolutely a noob mistake. You are going to enrage them. They're going to be very, very angry, so do not do that. What you're going to do is you're going to roll up a foil land because they may not be worth quite as much, but there's still something that they want. Now, you're going to want to roll that up as loosely as possible because you are basically damaging the card, but if you put a foil land in there, that is like the sparkly, shiny that the magic nerds like. And what you'll end up doing is they're going to stick their little digit in there, right? And they're going to stick their, hope, put it high enough on the wall they don't put the wrong thing in there. Because nerds also sometimes misidentify finger traps as uh, other things, let's just say that. Um, so they will shove their finger in there trying to get the D4 or trying to get the FAQ or the foil land. And what they'll end up doing is getting stuck. And yes, they will fight, and they'll scream, and they'll bellow for a little while, but they'll end up just sitting there. Now, the second part of that trap 
is that I usually keep a bowl of Doritos near the trap. The main diet of a nerd is typically Mountain Dew and Doritos. So the, uh, the Doritos should not be out in the open. Like, if you're going to put it among the comics or something, you might want to pull back some of the new issues of comics and shove some Doritos behind that. Something that's not going to distract from the main bait of the trap. But once they're there, you're not being irresponsible with your catch. If you don't come back for a day or so, you don't want them to gnaw off their own finger or something like that. What they'll end up doing is once they get over their panic of being trapped, right... Then they'll kind of like just sit there for a while and then they'll start perusing the comics. That's natural. A lot of the hammer and magic and uh, dragon nerds also overlap with the comic nerd community. And the comic nerds are really not well sought out by basically anybody. I don't know why. I haven't really delved into that because I also was a comic nerd at once. But many of the different nerds share that interest. So they'll start perusing the comics, and then they'll find a nice little treat. And then they'll eat their Cool Ranch Doritos, and they'll be sustained for the next day or whatever. You might even want to put a little cup of Mountain Dew or something, but you don't want it to be obvious, or they won't take the bait in the trap. Alright, James, you ready? Alright, so we're getting ready to go in here. And I have previously made a friend. He would not shut up about Graboids. He, he kept talking about the the monsters from the Tremors movies, and he had encyclopedic knowledge of that. So I don't know if... I can't see him through the window, but um, if he's there, I'm going to try to avoid him. He was very pleasant. You'll find that many of these nerds in these communities, many of them have good jobs, many of them are married, and there's a little bit of mystery behind that. But um, many of them you'll find, the majority of them are actually pretty nice people. So it's not a hostile group, it's just hostile more to outsiders. So, let's see, let's, let's creep up here, James, okay. Now, we are going to open this door and close it very quietly. Okay, we're opening the door, and we want to open and close the door very quietly because they have an alarm system on their door. It's usually a bell or something, and that alerts them to outsiders coming in. So we don't want to startle them or anything like that. Okay, so we've got one in the trap. All right, let's let's get him out. Hey, it's a shh. It's okay. It's okay. Shh. We're gonna let you out, buddy. Now it looks like they took the bait. This is actually a dragon nerd. You can tell. You can tell by the hair. Is typically has a sheen on it, and their hygiene's not quite as good as the other brand. There. Okay. There you go. Look at him scamper away. Now that was a successful catch and release. We get to see the different features of him and what obviously there was a, a foil land and we let him have it we let him have the bait at the end that's kind of like a little treat and that ensures that they're not as afraid of you the next time you come in now unfortunately this means our cover's been blown james look over there pan yeah now you see in the back the tables you can just see the tops of the hammer nerds heads do you see them they're peeking out between their ruins now they should know me well enough but and, and look at <laughs> look at it's like a Stonehenge over there of magic nerds. They are perfectly still. Do you see that? And a couple of them moved a little bit when their friend came back to them, and they inspected him, sniffed him a little, made sure he was okay. But it's so funny how they sit perfectly still, afraid of the danger. It's really it's really funny. Now, if you keep painting over here, James, you can see the far back, all the little heads sticking up through the ruins. Those are the hammer nerds. Now, you'll notice some of them 
have different colored miniatures. Some of them are the the Space Marine nerds, and some of them are the uh, fantasy nerds. And now farther back there in the dark, do you see the dark recess over there? Yeah, that's that is where um, a lot of the magic nerds are probably hiding. Now, if we, it seems that considering <sighs> oh, the information God. presented in hey. the movies, this entire <laughs> life cycle yeah, of the graboids uh, can take place in oh, about nine months. Gonna, However, due to the egg's ability to hibernate for extended periods okay. of time, this is likely the reason yeah. that the creatures <laughs> yep. were virtually unknown until the late 20th now, century. You'll see what I'm doing is I'm slowly pushing him away gently don't don't arouse any suspicion and then i brought the stick i'm going to push him even further away as he's talking yeah yep you're right buddy and then i throw a skittle oh look at oh there he goes okay now he we've distracted him for a minute now as we walk through the store you can see the different communities basically uh, congregate in their different areas with their different type of tables. The magic nerds really like these soft mats they put down. It's very cushiony on their cards and on their elbows and hands. They really like that so that's what they usually do. Now the hammer nerds have a similar cushion they put down but I think it's more for decorative purposes. I think it's just for um, I think it helps them enjoy their their interests and i know it does for me i enjoy it more when there's a, a cushiony mat on the table now the dragon nerds don't actually do that the dragon nerds are probably the messiest of all of the different types of nerds uh they have a lot of scattered papers about and uh, a lot of bottles and cans and whatever and you'll notice the leader likes to hide they build this little fort it's a it's really cute and they build this little fort at the end of the table and he kind of hides behind it, or or she, but we'll get to that in a minute. And they kind of hide behind it, and he is the leader. You can They have the most obvious hierarchical style, the dragon nerds do, compared to the hammer or the magic nerds. And the comic nerds have no hierarchy whatsoever. The only authority really in theirs is potentially the cashier of the store. If he is very knowledgeable about comics then he kind of takes a leadership role in their community the comic nerds seem to be a very isolationist group now you'll notice looking around here you don't see any comic nerds what they usually do is they usually come to this burrow and they get whatever their interest is kind of like gatherers hunter gatherers you know they stop by they peruse what's on sale for the comics and then they'll grab those they'll buy them maybe a little chit chat and then they'll leave they are a very solitary community. They're, they're almost not a community. But these others that are here today, you see they are... Now, see, the, the Hammer Nerds are starting to stand up. They've kind of acclimated to our presence. And as long as we make sure we don't mention anything about S-P-O-R-T-S, many of, many of them will just be fine with us. Uh, but just don't, James. <laughs> seriously, don't do it again. Uh, I don't know. I'm still not convinced James didn't do that on purpose last time. But uh, we're far too deep in the den now. We are going to be in serious trouble if we mention that. So uh, that is basically uh, how you attract and capture nerds. And this is kind of like a, a, a you know an overview of their different communities, their eating habits, their communal habits, their hierarchies, and that sort of thing. Now, you'll notice another thing, is there's no female nerds around here. Now, they do exist. They absolutely do. I've seen them many times. I've known many of them, personally. But they are not usually as obvious, because um, a lot of them feel uncomfortable 
in this gaming nerd community, many of the nerds, well, I can't say many of them, some of the nerds, the minority of the nerds are actually very uncomfortable around female presence because they're just not accustomed to them. So they can come off as very odd sometimes when it comes to um, maybe some normie women that are kind of dabbling, they're, they're nerd curious, you know, they're kind of dabbling in, in this sort of thing. They can often be off-put by it. And many of the female nerds actually have private communities. They will have like a harem of a couple men that will meet them at their house or a friend's house or some other location. They often don't play at the game store. And it's just because some of the nerds don't know how to talk to them very well. And that is a mystery the scientists have been trying to look at for quite some time. How do these nerds reproduce? And what you'll often find is that despite the stereotypes of nerds being, you know, bad hygiene and all of that, most of them actually don't fit that category. Now, the magic nerds over there, you can actually, if you were here, you can't see this on the video, you can, you smell that? Yeah. You can smell the magic nerds do have an odor, and they are basically the lowest level of the nerds in any nerd community. They smell pretty much like beef soup, but not in a good way. Not like a, mmm, yum beef soup, more of like a beef soup that is cold and has set out on the stove overnight, kind of like that. It's not a terrible smell, but it's a it's definitely a pungent aroma. When you get to this half of the table uh, of the store, you can really it starts soaking into your clothes. And when you leave, you'll you'll smell like beef stew. It's just one of those things. Um now the the hierarchy of it is is that the dragon nerds are much more likely to dragon normies. Normies that are a little nerd curious, that sort of thing, they're much more likely to be pulled in by the dragon nerds. And you have a better blend of different nerds and nerds to normie ratio. The interesting thing about the hammer nerds is many of them are kind of like chameleons. Many of them lead normal lives. Like they, they actually have married a normie, right? Whether it's a male or female, it doesn't matter. They've married a normie and they have been able to either suppress their normie urges, except for when they're at the game store, or they are nerd curious themselves, and they actually are kind of a normie. The magic nerds have the least number of normies, um, and I think it probably has to do with their uh, their pheromones and their their glands. You know, their the smell basically. The hammer nerds are actually kind of the most executive nerds out of all of them. And the reason why is that a lot of their, you'll see over there, see the little men and the and the little tanks and things like that? They're kind of the executive nerds as far as economically. And the reason why is because all of these decorative and ceremonial trinkets they have with them, a lot of those are very expensive to buy. So they kind of weed out the smelly ones, kind of, and um, they have fewer normies, like the dragon ones have a lot of normies, but they have fewer normies, but most of the hammer nerds actually don't smell. They actually smell good, they have a regular job, they are actually married to a normie, that sort of thing. So they're probably the best adjusted. The dragon nerds are probably next on the list. They're in the middle because some of the dragon nerds legitimately do smell. They smell more like 
Cheetos, usually. That's what their smell is, which is not a bad smell, but it is definitely a smell. And the magic nerds are obviously at the bottom of the barrel as far as hygiene and, and typical exception. So that is basically all you need to know about baiting, hunting, and identifying your local nerd. The last thing you need to know is when you're leaving the store, what you want to do is you want to turn your back and leave. You don't want to face nerds any more than you have to. And the reason why is they find that very confrontational. If they see your front, it's basically the exact opposite of a tiger. If a tiger sees your eyes, they're going to try to go around to your back to attack you from behind. But nerds are not aggressive. Nerds are typically very passive or cautious. So the more you look at them face to face, if they see your eyes, they actually want to get behind you so that they don't see your eyes because then they don't feel threatened. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn around and just walk out. Now, I didn't mention this earlier, but we actually backed into the store. Did you notice that earlier? I bet some of you watching the video were like, why are they walking backwards into the store? And the reason why is because that helps keep them calm and keep them um, from charging or anything like that. So you can go to any of these gaming stores, and um, what you'll want to do as far as camouflage is you will definitely want to be wearing some sort of nerd culture. You definitely will. Like a t-shirt with the Flash logo on it or something of that nature. And you can get those at Walmart or whatever. And that will help kind of take the edge off your presence in their store. And the longer you're there, the more acclimated they get to you. And they'll come right up to you. I mean, you can pet them and everything. They, they'll, they'll nuzzle you, especially if you have treats. Um, a lot of times I like to keep Skittles or Cool Ranch Doritos in my pocket and I'll just, you can actually, believe it or not, if you get comfortable enough and you keep repeatedly coming there and your traps are non-lethal and all of that and you don't ever mention S-P-O-R-T-S, then they will actually start coming to you kind of like uh, cattle. If you ever go up to a field with the farmer, the cattle actually come across the field to the farmer because he's the one that feeds them and takes care of them and they're very friendly kind of like puppies. And um, that the nerds are very much like that. Once they get to know you and they're more comfortable, they will get up in your lap. Uh, some of them don't realize they're, you know, hefty gamers. They think they're little gamers, and it's kind of funny, and they try to get up in your lap, and you don't let them do that. In some cases, I've, I've had some colleagues have broken legs because the, the larger gamers try to get up in their lap. You don't want to allow that. Matter of fact, I always, if they start getting up on me, I always push them back down because I'm like, no, you have to set that boundary or some of them will, will get down, downright grabby. They'll get handsy and that can be a problem, um, especially if they start getting aroused. If you start getting aroused, then you're in serious trouble. What you want to do is empty your pockets, throw the Skittles, throw the Doritos, scatter them, and then just run. That's what you want to do. The standard now the Graboid kid's coming back, so let's, let's get out of here, James. All right, well, thank you for listening. Yep, yeah, buddy, all right, I'll be back. One in North America, so uh, one in that Africa. is my explanation species, of nerds. I hope you enjoyed it, and thank you to GameMat.uh-huh. Yep, thank you to GameMat.eu and Panhandle3D.com for supporting the show. Thank you to all my beautiful... Yeah, yeah, all right. Beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. I'll see you next week. Thank you.